0: Thank you for being here tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book, probably the most unread book in the Bible. The book of Jude. Jude, the only chapter that it consists of, and it probably is read less, if not the least, of any book in the Bible. Some of us wonder why he even put it in here, since it's such a short. But I hope tonight that I can draw something out of it for uh, our consideration tonight. Jude, I'm going to read um, down. Well, let's let me just begin with verse one, and then we'll skip down to verse number twenty. It said, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And then Jude begins a long list of things that have, have the total opposite to do of his faith. And, uh, it gets pretty deep and it, uh, it is nothing short of a severe rebuke for what he was observing and considering. And then we get down to verse number 20 and he seems to go back to his opening remarks and he said in verse number 20, but you, Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Other than that. Portion and verse 24 and 25, there's just not a lot in the book of Jude that is encouraging, but there's enough in that, that passage of scripture. I, I, I had hoped that I might, I did find it, but I didn't save it properly, but several years ago, Sister Mickey Mangan, recorded a song called Long and Winding Road, Keep on Leading Me. Talked about the journey of faith and all that had happened and the burdens that had come with it. But it ultimately came to the conclusion that it was leading me in the right direction. And I don't want to lose sight of that road that I'm on tonight. For the help uh, of God and I'm going to need it. Uh I want to talk to you for a little while from the simple subject while we wait. Amen. Everybody say while we wait. God bless you. You may be seated. I have been stirred the last few days and I I consider uh it to be more than just a um, a normal thing. I, I felt an extraordinary moving of the Lord in my own spirit over the last few days. We've just uh, we've we've concluded services with Brother Edwards, and I thought about all the great things that had happened in eight weeks of services and the many. Moves of God that we experienced here and I understand that revival didn't end with him leaving, but I, I was just thinking, you know, even after eight weeks of heaven on earth, it seems that there are still some that are lingering and you wonder what, what in the world is it going to take? And I realized that it takes a continual journey, a continual battle. It's not one week. It's not a few weeks, but it's that ongoing walk of faith that will get us to our spiritual destination. I was thinking earlier this morning about the wall of China, and I, I've mentioned this before, but I think it plays into what I want to draw your attention to tonight. It is one of the few things on our earth that could be viewed by our astronauts in outer space. It is so massive and large, and I don't remember the exact dimensions, but they could run several chariots abreast on it, and it goes for miles and miles and miles. It was built with the purpose of keeping out the invading enemy. And you would think that a wall that wide, that tall, would be insurmountable without being able to rally your forces and defeat them. And yet the fact is that since its beginning, that that area, China, has been invaded seven times by enemies and overrun and all of the time that it happened it happened not because of a wall that was impenetrable but the gatekeeper was bribed and they were allowed to come in through the gates that were down the length of the wall. I have discovered this much about living for God. There aren't enough sermons to be preached to keep me saved if I'm not willing to work on it myself. It doesn't matter how wall, how tall the the wall is that God has built. It doesn't matter the material that God has constructed this out of. The gatekeeper... Of my soul is none other than myself in some sense. I know God watches over all of us. But I'm i the one that allows things in and out of my life. That either help me or they hurt me. They either draw me close to him or they push me away from him. And it is so important that. We make sure that the enemy does not get in because we have let down our guard. That we have been less than studious and less than diligent in our efforts in living for God. The salvation that God has provided for us is great. There's none like it and there is nothing that I can do That can add to what God has done. But I do have a responsibility in my relationship to that gospel that he's given me. And that is to keep myself. Amen. Keep myself. The book of Jude is a book most scholars say the book of the apostates, not the apostles. Acts is the book of the apostles. It's the acts of the apostles, I should say. And most consider Jude to be the acts of the apostate. And if you read it, you will discover very quickly what the writer of that statement meant. It It is a bewildering book, to say the least. And apart from its beginning and that, small nugget there at the end, there's really not a lot of encouragement found in it. You you find very sobering thoughts and you have to understand the background of which this book was being written. It was written in a time when everything that Christianity represented was being challenged and there was A heresy that was rising up and had actually filtered into the church. And it was being embraced by many that didn't realize the deceptiveness of its teaching. But at the root of Gnosticism was the undermining of all truth and It left men with a question about whether anything was true or not. And so the writer is being challenged by what he is seeing in the present circumstance. And so he writes this treatise of the faith. But he soon begins to realize that if I'm going to give them something to... Found their faith on, I also have to point out the error that is all around them. And so the great bulk of Jude is consumed with this, uh, understanding that he is spending time, uh, highlighting all of these things that are going on that are challenging The faith that had been once delivered, that the gospel that they had embraced, that had changed their lives and transformed them, uh, was now being challenged, and it was being challenged sharply by teachings and by ideologies that under that, that went all the way back to creation, and if you. Uh, if you followed out the thought of the Gnostic, it would go back to undermine our very beginning and creation's beginning. And it gave rise to the idea that the body of Christ was mystical. It was not real, that it was, it was not flesh and blood like we are, but it was apparent or it, it was a, 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 an idea or a thought. And so it would undermine the faith of many and uh it, it, there, there were so many other things that that began to evolve out of this teaching and so the writer is looking at this backdrop of uh, of, of of a church that has gone wrong of 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 people that were born in the fire, but they are now moving in. A wrong direction and the wrong influences are taking place and and so he begins first of all with what it means to be a christian to be a child of god and he calls them the chosen the called out ones and and uh, they're sanctified by god they're set apart by god and he he talks about the faith that was delivered, the common faith, the the, the gospel that was preached that they believed that transformed their lives. And then soon he, he, he begins to see the thing that had begun to infiltrate the church. And he laid aside his talking about faith so he could address these issues that... That were rising the, the the tide of men and their conduct toward the church and Christianity and the spirit that had infiltrated the church that was actually making a mockery of the grace of god and he illustrates several fallacies of that age, and he talks about and enumerates the characteristics of evil men and of error and the evil life and if you read it carefully you can see how he 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 talks about each one of those and and he goes through with great rebuke and the evil men that uh, have risen to try to destroy the faith that had been delivered and then toward the end he turns his Attention back to the faithful. And he says with these words, but you, but ye. Let let me go back to what I started with and close by telling you how you need to be living. I've talked about how these people are living. I'm, I've shown you the error of their way. But now let me give you a, a, a formula for living in wicked times. When I read that, I thought, Lord, if there was ever a message that we needed to embrace and get it drilled down deep into our spirit, is that the word that is before us tonight. And and so he changes his focus and, and he contrasts the difference that should exist between a child of God and the world that he lives in. He Contrast the difference between my hope and that of the world. And he shows us how not to live in telling us of their error. But then he tells us what it looks like to live an overcoming life and how we ought to be. And he begins by being mindful of what we are doing with our lives. And I love how he addresses it. Let's go back and read it again. He said, but ye, beloved, I've talked about the others, I've shown you what not to do. Now, let me tell you what to do. Let me tell you how to live in wicked times. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. I love the terminology that he used. Concerning faith, it is holy. It is precious. The word literally means it is different. And we need to make sure that we never allow our faith to lose its difference in our life. That it makes a difference in our life. We live in a world that to the, to a large part, when you ask them, are they Christian? they they readily say yes i am christian but there seems to be no evidence that there's any christianity in their life because of the way that they live they still cheat they still lie they still live immorally they live ungodly and and yet they call themselves by that name and It's as if he's saying, all right, I was talking about then, but look at your day and understand that there is a way that you should live and there's a way you should not live. But one thing is certain, your faith had better make a difference in the way you live. Amen. It better make the difference in the way that I live. I don't live. To my own self. I don't live by my own rules. I live by his rules. This book is still relevant. Though we live in 2019. Or 2020 or 2025. However long the Lord carries. This little book right here. Will never go out of date. And it will never. Never ever be replaced. With anything better. To guide and direct my life by. And I better make sure that my faith is really making a difference in my life. Amen. Is your faith making a difference in your life? Do you live any differently than the rest of the world lives around us? Do I, do I act any different than the world around me is acting? Oh Lord Jesus help me right now. Do I talk any different than the world around me talks? Do I think any differently than the world around me thinks? Building up yourselves in your most holy faith, your difference-making faith. Faith, what we believe should make a difference in the way we live. Amen. I know a lot of backsliders that can quote more Bible than you can tonight. And they live like a devil. But the word they know doesn't make a difference in their life. And, and, and the writer of, of the book of Jude seemed to be indicating that that was what was wrong. That's what had happened in the church that someone had begun slipping in and mixing these ideologies of Greek culture and, and, and higher thinking that was prevalent in that day and trying to mix it together and make this goulash of some kind of, of belief system. But it undermined everything that belief system was, that was founded on, that Jesus Christ... Was born of a virgin Mary. That he came into the world to save us from our sin. That he was real flesh and blood. That he really died on a cross. That God did speak let there be and there was. And there had slipped in these philosophies and ideologies. That had begun to question the validity or, or whether that was true or not. And and their faith had stopped making a difference in their life. And they started drifting toward these things. They started embracing these things. They started changing from being called out and separate to being just like the rest of the culture in which they lived. Amen. God help me that faith still makes a difference in my life that when this word speaks, I listen, whether I like it or not. Sometimes he said it's going to be like bitterness to your mouth. But if you go ahead and swallow it, it'll become sweet like honey. But it's not always going to be palatable to my taste. But if I'll go ahead and take it, it's always going to benefit me in the end. You know, we don't like anybody to tell us you can't. But the Bible is full of you can'ts. Thou shalt not. You don't need somebody to dissect that and explain that to you. I don't need somebody to give me a course on on understanding thou shalt not. It simply means don't do that. Don't make excuses for it. Don't make allowances for it. Don't say, well, everybody else is doing it. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. That word is for you and it's important that whether you accept it, agree with it, or understand it, obey it. And there's blessings in obedience. Amen. So our faith should make a difference in us. And he changes the focus to how they ought to live. And he gives them a formula for living in these wicked times and it begins with paying attention to their faith. That your faith still makes a difference in your life. Amen. It still makes a difference. I'm not like the rest of the world. I'm not, I I don't have the same viewpoint. I don't have the same value system. I don't have the same focus. I don't have the same desire because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that has impacted my life and changed me. And he shows us how we ought to live. Amen. We are building up ourselves. Everybody say, I'm a builder. I'm a builder. We are all building. And I love... The terminology that's used, building is a progressive thing. It's not a once and done deal. Some people think just because they prayed through one time, that was good. That ought to last forever. But the word of God indicates that there is a continual following on to know the Lord. The depth of my life comes from me following on to know him. And not allowing the enemy to bribe me so he can get access into my life. You know, I hadn't heard anything that the world offers that is not appealing to the ear. And especially appealing to my flesh. They say you can have your cake and eat it too. (laughs) Yeah. That those those rules they're they're old they're, they're are, there's a better way to live. Well, if there is somebody, help me find it because I am interested in a better way to live, but I don 't see what they're doing as a better way of living. Amen. So we are builders. we must build first of all for eternity. We're not in a speed contest. I want want this thing to last. I want it to stand the test of time and storms. So I'm not interested in just throwing things together to make up my spiritual life. I want to build upon the foundation that rock Christ Jesus. But I, according to Corinthians, I have the option of what I build with out of the material that... I have. Some, the Bible said, they build with hay and stubble. And some with gold and and precious stones. They build with a different view in mind than just a a quick fix and let's get it going and be done with it. But they they don't want to spend the time or the energy. But I, I have the opportunity tonight to make sure all the right ingredients go into the building of my life. He's provided it right here. I hear it weekly, what I preach to. I see it every day when I read it. I hear it when I hear others read it. It's being, it's ministering to me. It's talking to me about how I should live my life and the way I should conduct myself. And so I I am building for eternity. I want this to last. I don't want mine burned up with fire. I wanted to be able to outlast the fire. Amen. But I also am building for inspection. I, I, I'm building with the anticipation that he's going to inspect the building. You know, that's, that's one of the real, real, real uh, temptations in building is to find ways to cut corners and there's always all kinds of ways to cut corners. But you know what? We're, we're getting ready. Believe it or not, they're, 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 they're about ready to start tearing that building down. They're saying that within the next couple of weeks, it could be completely down, but be that as it may, when we start the new process, there's going to be regular inspections at every level of work to make sure that it's up to code. You know what? I don't like that. It's annoying because invariably they come in and find something wrong. And I don't like, the, I, I like, I like everybody's thing, man, you're doing a great job. But you know what i discovered about myself? I have blind spots. And there's some things as hard as I try, I can't see them. But an inspector can. And so he points them out and said, no, you're going to fix that and that and that. And so you do it because you want a sound building. I remember reading a story about a a man who, who became a builder and and uh he connected himself to a very wealthy man and it became a very successful business uh adventure for both of them the, the wealthy gentleman provided the funds the other man uh he he had the building expertise and they built a lot of wonderful beautiful homes and and so forth and as time went as as life sometimes happens, this young man fell in love with this rich man's daughter and over a period of time they they determined that they were going to uh get married and and so uh they made their plans and all of that and the 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 father in law to be was trying to think of some way he could bless his Son-in-law and daughter with something that would be of value to them, and so he determined to have a house built um, for them without letting them know that he was building that house for them. And so he goes to this young man and he gives him the blueprints and he said, "I "I want you to, I want you to build this." Got a prospective couple. That, that are going to be living in it. And so he he took the plans and he started the process. But as, as had often been the case with builders, over a period of time, he had found ways to shortcut, buy cheaper material, you know, cut a few corners here and there. But man, you put enough plaster on the wall, enough paint, you can cover up a multitude of sin. Didn't put the studs uh, in the proper centering and so forth, but on on the outside, the 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 the, the, the eye appeal was there. It, it was all going to be perfect. And when he finally got through, and he went proudly to give the keys to the wealthy gentleman that was funding the project, to give to that prospective couple. Couple, and you know the. The punchline, he then turned and gives back to this young man the keys. This is the home he had built for his daughter and his son-in-law to be. Now, that seemed like a strange little story, but you know what? I've seen a lot of that happen in life. People see how little they can do to live for God, how little they can get by with, how close they can live to the edge. I read the story about a man who was trying to find a chauffeur and he had, he had like three prospective men come to his house. He lived up on a side of a mountain and, and uh, so he had, he went through the normal protocol of, of questions and, and their experience and background and then he gave them the road test and, and the first one that got in, he thought, you know what? I'm going to show him what my driving skills are. And he started down that mountain, and he never put on the brakes. I mean, he just hugged those corners and made those curves and squealing tires, never got out of his lane. They got to the bottom, and he was so proud of himself. Next guy got in it, and he did something similar. And then the last guy got in, and, man, he went so slow. He hugged the inside. Of that mountain going down, he stayed away from the guardrails and he got to the bottom and 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 the first guy thought for sure he had the job, but when he came down to meet them, he gave it to that last guy he said, "I'm not interested in how fast you can get there. I just want to get there in one piece, and there's some people live for God like that it's just it's just how close can i what can I get by with?" That's not a faith that's really making a difference in that. I want a faith that makes a difference, that I'm not interested in how little I can do. I want to know, God, what is it you want from me? And that's what I want to do. That's how I want to live. It may not be in agreement with the social culture that I live in, but that social culture is not going to judge me in the end. He is. So I want to build With inspection in mind. And I want to keep my eyes on the right things. And most importantly. I like the terminology that he uses. He said. Build up. Yourselves. This is not somebody else's job to do. This is my responsibility. It's my responsibility. I. Have to keep eyes on myself. Now, I'm going to try not to pastor too much, but we have a lot of good people that have eyes on everybody but themselves. And the truth is, the eyes really need to be on yourself. i got to make sure that I keep a right attitude. I've got to keep a right focus. I've got to make sure that my, my, my motives are right, that my desires are pure. And against a backdrop of evil, I have to allow the world to see what real faith can do in your life. Amen. So it starts with a solid foundation, building Up yourselves on your most holy faith. Amen. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Amen. I want my life founded not on something that has been manufactured by man, but on something that has been given by God. Amen. I want this book to still be the governing factor in all that I do In everything that I do, in everything that I say. And it, it's hard sometimes because my flesh rebels and it, it wants to lash out and do a lot of things that it shouldn't. But I want, I want my faith to make a difference in my life. Number two, he talks about praying in the Holy Ghost. I love that terminology because it goes beyond just prayer, praying in the Holy Ghost. There's a depth that prayer reaches, a depth that goes beyond just mere words, but enters into that veil. It enters into what is beyond the veil, that holy of holies. And prayer becomes the mechanism that helps me build my life strongly and securely and upon solid ground. Not just praying, but praying in the Holy Ghost. I, I wish I knew how to, I wish I knew how to teach people to pray in the Holy Ghost. But the best definition that I've ever received was from Brother Kilgore, when when asked about what it meant to pray like that, and he said, pray until you pray through, and then start praying. Because when you pray through, you have gotten past a lot of stuff. And you know what I've learned about my prayer life? I can pray and have a whole lot of other thoughts going on in my mind all at the same time. And I lose track of what I'm. But when I really get down in earnest with God and I I push out all of those distractions and all of those annoyances and I center my attention on him, there is a depth That comes to prayer. And it is then that the Holy Ghost can really begin to minister in my life. And give me direction. And give me the encouragement. And give me the strength. And give me the help that I need to keep going. But it doesn't happen by just praying. Now I laid me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. It takes a little digging in. I like what the scripture says when Jesus took His disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane, He asked them to simply pray with Him. And He didn't even give a time frame. I don't think the first time, just, just pray with me. He came back later and said, could you not pray an hour? But He just asked them to pray and they fell asleep. But the Bible said of Him that He went a little further. Amen. I've often wondered if that had not been in there. What a difference that would have made. He went a little further. It was in that little bit further place in prayer that he was able to pray, Not my will, but thy will be done. He was able to cut away all of the desires of this fleshly body. And submit himself to the complete will of God. And become that sacrifice. You know what? It's not any different for us. It's in that place a little further that we find our greatest communion with him. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. The spiritual atmosphere that I need to live in in these times is an atmosphere of prayer. Sometimes my granddaughter going down the highway, it just slips out. Oh, God. And she said, Poppy, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I I catch myself. I I didn't realize that I, but I, I want that to always be the case. I want there to always be On the tip of my tongue that prayer. Because I am finding out that I can't go from Sunday to Sunday prayer time. I can't go from Saturday night to Saturday night prayer time. I've got to pray on Monday. I've got to talk to him on Tuesday. Sometimes I have to talk to him all day long on Tuesday. But I want to keep that communication line open. Because that is the atmosphere that will keep my mind clear of the things that would try to contaminate it and keep me focused on what really matters. A good man is always going to be a man of prayer. And the only true way to build yourself up is to do it in prayer. Prayer keeps the sense of God in heaven alive in my soul. And it is a seedbed of my relationship with him Some people wonder why they don't grow in God. Because they don't pray. Amen. Prayer is the seedbed that helps develop my relationship with Him. Prayer is the acknowledging that I am dependent on Him. And it is an avenue into His presence where there is fullness of joy. Amen. Prayer is going to make a difference in our life if we will pray. Amen. Somebody say pray. Building up yourselves, your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And third, keeping yourself in the love of God. I've read that verse many times. And I don't know that I fully understand it even now, but I realized something when I was reading it again, even today. That there is a responsibility that I have of keeping myself connected to the love of God. Because the letter killeth. The law is deadly. But spirit gives life, and his love and spirit are wrapped together, for God is love. And if I am fully going to live a victorious life, I am going to have to learn how to keep myself in love with him. Amen. John said it, love not the world neither the things that are in the world. Amen. I believe Curtis Spears preached years ago at a general conference and the title of his message was, Love Not Your World. Amen. And every time I read that verse now, I have to inject that personal pronoun. Love Not Your World. Because it's not always the world That works on me. It's my world. That affects me. There's a lot of things in the world. That I can say no to. But there are things that come into my world. That I sometimes have a hard time. Pushing away. And so. Scripture says. Love not my world. Neither the things that are in my world. What's in my world? Houses, cars, and jobs, and positions, and power, and friends, and influence, and all of those things that are appealing to my flesh. But those are the things that I must guard myself against, and I must not... Become so in love with my world that I miss his world. What is there in your world right now that's competing for his world? What is there in my world that's competing with his world? My desires that are in conflict with his desires. Love not your world. Love not my world. Amen. I need to keep myself. Breathe it as the atmosphere of my life. I cannot drift away. From the love of God. I cannot leave. Love of God. And that is altogether possible because one of the rebukes to the church. In Revelation. And I've always as a child heard it preach. You've lost your first love and there's. Nowhere in scripture does it say they lost it. Go read it. It said they left it. How do you leave your first love? Well, it becomes old hat. It becomes ordinary. It becomes ritual. It becomes routine. You somehow lose the essence of what that love means and what it purchased and what it brought into your life and you forget all that he had to go through so that you and I could even experience his love but i have to keep myself in that i have to work every day to make sure that the love of the world has not waded its way into my love for him and his love for me is more important than any other kind of love in this world you see When his love is active in my life, it works as a preventative to evil. Amen. My wife and I have been married for 40 something years, 43, 44 years, I think. She's not here to correct me, so I'm just going to guess at it right now. We've been married a long time. But you know what? My marriage certificate is not what keeps me In my relationship. What keeps me in my relationship is the fact that I love her. And because I love her, that love governs my actions. It governs hopefully my attitude. It needs to govern my attitude. Sometimes it has a hard time wrestling my attitude down, but it needs to govern my attitude. Because when, when love is at the root of my relationship, it acts as a preventative. There's some things I just don't, I, I don't go down those roads. I, I don't, I don't allow that to come. I, I don't venture into that territory. I, for, for several years, I traveled by myself and I had to fly many places. And I, 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 I did like my brother has said. He, you get on the plane, you close your eyes, you go to sleep, you don't con, I, I didn't converse with anybody. I, now I'm sure there were people that thought I was rude, but I didn't want to give anybody the slightest idea that I might be looking. Well, you don't have a wedding ring on, so that's, you know, they start looking there. I remember flying back from Panama, and I was, I, I got bumped up to first class, one of the only times I've ever flown first class in my life. And I was the only one in first class. And this sweet stewardess, I don't know if she thought I was wealthy. I know she couldn't have thought I was good looking, but she may have thought I was wealthy. And she thought it was her bound duty to keep me occupied the whole trip. But after a little while, she got the message when all she could see was the top of my head. You say, really, you don't trust yourself? No, I don't trust my flesh. I don't trust your flesh either. Amen. But the point is, I'm just not going to give it an opportunity. Because flesh is weak, did Paul not, or Jesus not, say that, or in the word that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak, and we all have the same kind of flesh. You don't have glorified flesh yet. Now I know some of you talk in tongues more than anybody, but that doesn't that doesn't make. That's not going to keep your flesh from acting up every once in a while. And the only thing that I know of that can really keep my flesh where it needs to be is just stay in love with him. Amen. Because if I'm in love with him, I'm going to. I'm going to stay away from that. I'm going to turn the page. I'm going to get off that website. I'm not going to go down that alley. Amen. Let's stand together. Keep comes from a word which means a constant activity. A constant activity. Everybody say constant. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Keep myself in the love of God. Cultivate the taste for it. Amen. Nurture the essence of it. I have no courage to live without his love in my life. I have no strength to stand without his love. Keep yourself in the love Keep yourself close to it. Keep yourself immersed in it. Be so saturated by it that when you walk by, the perfume of his fragrance waifs and people want to know, what, what is that about you? What, what's, what makes you so different? Amen. Thank you, Lord. While you're waiting for the coming of the Lord, build up yourself, On your most holy faith. Your difference making faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And keeping yourself. In the love of God. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father we love you tonight. We are so grateful. For the word that never dies. God I know you've had a pitiful vessel to have to be the channel through which that word was dispensed tonight but I pray that somehow some way God that word will penetrate every heart in this building and it will become the the mantra of our life that we will begin to govern our actions and allow our actions to be governed by these principles In the name of Jesus, in the wicked hour in which we live, when everything is being undermined and everything is being questioned, God, help us to live with a faith that makes a difference. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, it's a long and winding road but I keep on traveling it because one of these days it's going to turn to gold. Amen. And it will be worth every mile of the trip. It will be worth every no in Jesus' name. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.